Welcome to this special bonus episode of the Passive House Podcast. I'm Zach Semke, Director of Passive House Accelerator, and we're happy to be sharing a series of bonus episodes recorded in Hamilton, Ontario at the Passive House Canada Conference 2023. These interviews were conducted by Mary James, our Director of Publications, and Michael Ingui, our founder. A big thank you to Euroline Windows for underwriting this special series. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Passive House Podcast. I'm speaking here with Corey Diamond, Executive Director of Efficiency Canada. Welcome. Thanks, Mary. Good morning. Can you first tell our audience what Efficiency Canada does? Yeah. So Efficiency Canada is the national voice for an energy efficient economy. We're essentially a uh, full-time policy advocacy group slash think tank. Um, that focuses on energy efficiency policies and making sure that all three levels of government adopt those policies so that we can unlock the potential of energy efficiency. In our group, we're based actually at Carleton University, so we're essentially a, a research group at Carleton University. We basically do three things. Of course, being at a university, we do a lot of research, so we try to uncover what the um, you know the right policies are and benchmark what where you know who's doing it right around the world. But none of us ever really wanted to just be a kind of policy wonk shop where we're cranking out academic papers that 10 people read. Um, we wanted it to actually change the world. And so the other two parts of our organization help us do that. Um, we do a lot of communications work. So this podcast would be a good example of that in telling the story of energy, of energy efficiency and how it's helping Canada meet its climate targets, but also boost its economy. And then we do a lot of engagement work where we're trying to bring the sector together to be a louder voice. And some of that is in small groups of people, roundtables and things like that. And others is in more traditional kind of political organizing where we uh, engage people to meet with their elected officials and we coach them and help them on, on those types of meetings. Also, that this remains front of mind for, for policymakers across the country. Okay. And by three levels of government, I assume you mean municipal, provincial and federal? That's right. Yeah. So when you're talking about energy efficiency, you're not just talking buildings. Yeah, the biggest part of our work is through is through reducing energy demand usage in buildings. Each year, we, uh, which is now moving to every two years, we release uh, what's called the provincial, the Canadian Energy Efficiency Scorecard, which looks at how provinces are, and territories are doing. In that includes uh, policies related to buildings but also industrial energy efficiency and uh, a chapter on transportation, looking at the policies related to transportation. But most of our work is focused on the built environment and trying to develop the right policies that help to reduce demand across the board. And what's new with Canada's building codes? Well, first, let me just say that, like, of all the nerdy corners of our policy world, building codes are like, for some reason, the most popular <laughs> aspect of our work. Whenever we have an event or a, a research paper comes out on building codes, it engages people the most. People care a lot about codes, and they should. Um, so the world of codes has changed in the last few years. Um, the Federal Model Building Code was released. Uh, it's called the 2020 Model Building Code, but it was released in 2022. And that code is, it's a voluntary code, but um, it was released for the first time with a set of tiers. So uh, each province that adopts that code must adopt at a certain tier and show movement along the tiers. The second thing that's changed um, in the last couple of years as well is a harmonization agreement amongst all the provinces uh, on adoption and compliance to that code. So 
in order to boost sort of interprovincial trade and to make it easier for, you know, um, construction activities to happen across the country, they've all said, all right, we're going to all adopt the same code. Now, they're going to adopt it at different tiers, but at least they're all working from the same uh, template. So that's that's really interesting. So you've got the model code out now. It does have the tiers all the way up to tier five, which would be uh, net zero energy ready. And that's out there now um, for provinces to adopt within 18 months. At the same time, we're developing the next uh, code uh, federally as a voluntary code again, but it's going to consider emissions for the first time. So for the first time, uh, that group has to start to tackle not just energy usage and its impact on climate, but actually look at emissions. And the first part of that will look at operational emissions, and then down the road, it will start to look at embodied carbon. So you can kind of see this is starting to, you know, be a real shift in the usage of codes and trying to get provinces to adopt much more aggressive codes. And it does finally match, after many years of failing to, matches the federal government's ambition around net zero emissions and using the code to help help us get there. Wow. Well, that's a huge step. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> How is the progress in adopting the tiered code? So it's still early, but one of the things we were advocating for, um, which which has happened, which is that you know the federal government releases the, the, the voluntary code, but beyond that, it doesn't really have a lot of jurisdiction. And so one of the things we've been encouraging the federal government to do is to provide funds and make them available to provinces, municipalities, various stakeholders in the sector so that they can overcome a lot of the barriers that would be there as they move up the tiers. And so the federal government has announced and just released uh, what's called the Code Acceleration Fund. It's $100 million available to provinces, municipalities, uh, those working in the sector to build capacity, do the training higher up building officials, whatever is required in order for that province to continue to sort of, you know, boost its capacity around code code compliance and adoption. So that's that's an exciting thing. You know, obviously, greasing the wheels with money always helps. Um, but we're still early. We, we, have, we have not seen uh, beyond a couple provinces uh, a mass sort of movement and a plan to go from where, where they are today and adopting a, a lower level tier to move up uh, in the tiers. Now, obviously, BC has been a leader in this. In fact, the federal model building code was modeled after uh, BC's energy step code. So they're moving much more aggressively and just this month have started to institute emissions in into their code as well. So we sort of look to where which provinces are moving the fastest or which jurisdictions in other countries are moving the fastest and try to encourage um, you know other provinces to catch up. And... When you're uh, considering emissions in the code, I assume that means a greater push towards electrification. Yeah, certainly. I mean, the efficiency of equipment is going to be, uh, you know, top of mind for any any new building. So, so we know that in Canada, seventy eight percent of all uh, emissions coming from the built environment are from uh, space and water heating. So, we have to make our space and water heating the most efficient we can. Today, a heat pump is extremely efficient as an op- uh, an option for a mechanical system in a building. But we also have to look at how buildings obviously are designed, and you know, um, and 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 other you know opportunities for on the operational side. But certainly, there will be a massive push and trend towards the usage of electrification as a mechanical heat source if we're considering emissions as part of you know 
the code. Is, is there anything about the BC process that you think would be easy for other provinces to model themselves on? Well, nothing's easy when human beings are involved. So, <laughs> But that really gets to the crux of it. If you look at what BC did, um, it, it struck what was called the BC Energy Step Code Council, which was made up of all the different stakeholders in the sector from government, private sector, developers, um, environmental groups, uh, local municipalities. And they hammered it out over a number of years and they continue to hammer it out, you know, and to get to, you know, this kind of evolution. And so I, I'm pretty hopeful and optimistic that, you know, the rhetoric out there is sort of sometimes elevated and people release reports. I mean, we do that too, right? And white papers and or they have quotes in magazines and things. You know, you put people in a room, you realize very quickly that you're agreeing on most things. And maybe there are minor things that you got to work out. So let's let's get on with the agreement part, the stuff we all get, and let's move on it as fast as we can. And then and then let's strike a, a committee and do the work and get into the trenches to kind of figure out the, the last bit. So I am hopeful that you know watching how BC has done it um, through you know the work of incredible leaders and people who really care passionately about this stuff. And I know that in other provinces, they're starting to kind of think about setting up these types of uh, councils as well. And so I'm pretty optimistic, you know, that that it's not easy work, but it, it can be done once we just sort of sit down and, and, and have a plan, you know, and have what the goal is and put it together. And the codes that we've been speaking up so far are new construction. Yeah, so... so Concurrent to the new construction code, um, there is a movement for the first time in Canada uh, around setting up codes or regulations for existing buildings as well. Now, the majority of emissions from buildings are coming from existing buildings. So, uh, of course, we have to, you know, the number one rule on anything is if you've got a hole, stop making the hole bigger. So let's let's sort out our, our standards around new construction so that we're not stuck in 10, 20 years with high emitting uh, buildings. And while we're doing that, we need to create a regulatory pathway for existing buildings. And this is going to be extremely important um, to hit our targets. So there are currently a number of processes happening on that front. Uh, Federally, uh, the federal government has indicated and has started the process of creating what's called the AEB code, the Alterations to Existing Buildings Code. So they're going to create a, a very similar pathway as they've done with the federal model building code for new buildings, but do one for existing buildings and create rules that set out, um, you know, at the time of an alteration, when you're doing a major alteration to a building, you must consider the following things. Now, of course, it's model. It would have to be adopted by provinces. Now, doing the alteration in existing building code is, is good, but you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities because it only happens at the time of alteration. So some municipalities and provinces are moving ahead with their own processes uh, and following a pattern that's happening in the U.S. and in Europe called building performance standards. So essentially choosing a a building type or building archetype and setting the standards by which uh, it needs to hit over time. And the first part of that is just doing some benchmarking. Tell us how much energy and emissions that this building is emitting. And over time, five years you know, down the road, you must ratchet it down to this. Five more years, ratchet down to that. And you're starting to see these, these sort of tools being used all across uh, the world. In fact, the most famous one is in New York City, uh, where um, you, know, you have buildings that if they don't 
you know, meet a certain standard within a set period of time, they will be fined, you know, quite heavily for doing that. So there are ways to start developing those processes. And we're seeing municipalities like the city of Vancouver moving ahead on that city of Toronto, city of Montreal have indicated that they want to move on that as well. So we're following that um, at Efficiency Canada and helping to try to influence the construction of those types of pathways. So, um, and what about workforce development? Is that something that Efficiency Canada is involved in? It's a really good question. Um, and we sort of look at workforce development as sort of being, you know, the other end of the stick on this. Um, we're sort of worried, or I'm personally worried, that what if we're really successful in getting governments to listen to us and actually implement these policies and then we wake up the next day and there's no one to do the work. Uh, so I think it is a bit of a worry. Um, however, there's some great stuff happening on the ground across the country to kind of think ahead of the game and, and really push on, on workforce. <laughs> so on our end, um, we are, our main focus in this area is actually to inspire people to think about um, what, what it means to have a career in the energy efficiency sector. So we have, you can go to our website and you can see and meet a number of what we call career guides. These are people from lots of different backgrounds, lots of different communities across the country, and they sort of act as champions for the sector. And if you want, you, you're thinking of sort of coming into the sector and you're not really sure what it's all about, you can book a meeting and, and meet with one of these mentors and learn about the sector a little bit. And then accompanying that uh, that program, we have a job board and um, we've got two or 300 job listings <laughs> over the last few months on that job board, just trying to engage people to come into the sector and think about it and then see what kinds of jobs there might be. Coalition-wise, we're working with a lot of other groups like Passive House Canada, like Canada Green Building Council and others to really call on on different levels of government to invest money that we're going to need to upskill uh, existing workforce and then attract more and more people into the sector. So definitely something we're working on. And I understand you'll be speaking at the Retrofit Canada conference, which will be next month, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, how do you see the whole retrofit sector moving forward? I mean, what makes you optimistic about that or, or not optimistic? <laughs> okay, let's start with the not optimistic because then it leads well into the optimistic. So, uh, well, I wouldn't say it's not optimistic, but to start with, um, pol policy matters. And none of this happens without good, strong policy. So what we need um, is a very strong policy signal that is resilient to government change, that sets the course and sets the date by which emissions will be eliminated from the built environment. If that happens, then you'll start to see new business models pop up, exciting new kinds of interventions, uh, different groups or coalitions, mergers, acquisitions, all kinds of fun stuff, and you see capital flowing in. So without the policy signal that sort of mandates change at a certain point in time, um, it's very difficult to kind of go beyond the incremental retrofit activity that we've been seeing the last two, three decades. So that's what we're pushing for. So we're sort of in that mid-transition phase between now and a net zero economy where, yes, people understand that we need to do that and we're, we're getting there. And the signals, these policy signals are starting to come out, which are setting the course, but they're not quite there enough to set for the aggressive kind of action we need on retrofits. 
and for the aggressive amount of capital to flow in for those retrofits. So in a way, it's optimistic because we know what we have to do. And if those policy signals come, we know what happens when you do that. And we've seen it in other jurisdictions. We're seeing it all over Europe. We're seeing it with big announcements like the Inflation Reduction Act in the U.S., massive amounts of capital and movement and aggression on on, on this stuff. So for us, um, that's what I'm going to sort of help to frame out the Retrofit Canada Conference in June to start to say there are so many really great examples of people doing retrofits in new, innovative ways, people scaling up, you know, things happening all over the place, but we need to be able to come together and, and sort of almost demand a certain market signal, which would then unlock the massive potential that efficiency can provide. Can you talk a little more about your uh, presence here at Passive House Canada and how you see Passive House playing into the whole uh, world that you're working in? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're great friends and, uh, you know, there's a role for, for lots of different organizations to play. We love coming here and my colleague Kevin is going to be here on Wednesday talking about codes um, because there's sort of a whole layer of uh, really smart technical um, and, uh, and passionate people in the sector. So to me, I gain hope and optimism when there's all these people that are doing all this great work that I may not know about because we sort of work at the 50,000 foot level of policy change. And you come to a Passive House Canada event, and you see, wow, like these people are actually doing this work like every day and <laughs> designing these, these buildings. And it, it's proof that it can be done. Right. And, you know, I, I think it's later today or tomorrow, there's the, the tour of the, the Ken Sobel tower. It's like, there you go. Proof. That it can be done, which is very, very exciting. And I'll be on a panel today just really talking about the role of the community coming together and how it can amplify and elevate its voice. And, you know, oftentimes we do that with Passive House Canada and other groups so that, you know, it's one voice coming to the government saying, look, all these different perspectives have come together to say that it's safe for you to do this. Um, and so, yeah, we look forward to continuing doing that with Passive House Canada.